Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the North Point Community Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free North Point app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at North Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy.
Thank you, Riley. Um, I, it's, it's this line I think that got to me is, so I pray that I'm not too far gone for a savior. I, I don't know if that's something you can relate to now, but I think that's something that at some point in all of our lives, we've wondered. Is there still room at the end for a stranger? Is there mercy for someone like me? Again, I think all of us have felt some or all of that at some point along the way. And sometimes um, it's because of decisions we've made that cause us to feel a bit estranged from God. Um, Sometimes it was decisions made by other people, um, hurts um, that changed us or distracted us or caused faith to become just something that was for other people and just didn't seem relevant anymore. But regardless of why the answer is yes, there is always mercy for someone like me and someone like you. And that is actually what the message in the story of Christmas is really all about. There's mercy for someone like me and you and the you beside you and the you that is nothing like you. There's still room at the end for a stranger regardless of what estranged us from God. Again, this is the message of Christmas. And here's why I say that. That once upon a time, once upon a time, the entire world, everyone in the world was estranged from God because no one knew exactly what God was like. Everybody guessed. The priest helped some people guess. Uh, Witch doctors helped some people guess. Pastors, or they weren't really called pastors then, but religious leaders, whatever those sects and cults were, um, Traditions They tried to help people understand, but as the Apostle Paul says, it was just shadows. Everybody had some general idea that there's something out there somewhere and it must be somewhat personal, but what it is like or he is like or she is like, everybody simply had to guess. And at Christmas, God chose to reveal himself in such a way that much of the mystery would be taken away and that the path forward and the way to connect or to use a Bible word to reconcile with God for everyone would be made clear. Here's what the apostle Paul writes. I love this. This is kind of his version of of the Christmas story. He writes, but when the set time had fully come, in other words, when God had it, had the world just the way he needed it to be, when there was an empire with a highway system and port cities all around the Mediterranean rim, when there was a way to communicate it, when there was a way for God to do something in the world that the world would be able to know actually happened that the world could take note of. In that time, as soon as it was possible, when the full time, said time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born like the rest of us, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we, and here's the kind of the punchline, that we might be adopted as children. Now, here's the interesting thing. This was a letter. This was in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians in Ephesus, hundreds of miles away from where he was. And in there, he says that we might be adopted, and the we included some people he'd never met. The we included people that he had no idea what they were up to, what they'd been into, what they were trying to work their way out of. He had no idea the kind of lives they lived, and yet he was able to say, with this very open ended, into the funnel way, hey, You need to know that you're part of the we, that you are part of the we that has the potential to be adopted as a child of God. This is what God has done for the whole world and the whole world is invited. It's a standing invitation and God has made it clear, not simply through a prophet, but God has made it clear by sending himself into the world so that much of the mystery would be erased so that we would know the way forward. So at Christmas, we celebrate that God so loved the world He moved in our direction, whether we ever move in his direction 
or not, and he will continue to do so. Again, it's kind of the big Bible word. He's the, he's the great reconciler. The regardless of what we've done or why we did it, reconciler. And then this phrase, the apostle Paul writes as well. He says, Christ came into the world to reconcile us to God, not counting our sins against us. And this is part of the problem for some of us. It certainly has been in my life that I had such a tendency to count my sins or my, to count my sins against me, that it was hard for me to imagine that God would not count my sins against me. But the message of Christmas is that Jesus came into the world to demonstrate in his life as he navigated all kinds of relational situations and met with all kinds of people who had been into all kinds of things to say, I'm here so that you know what God is like. And if you wanna know what God is like, watch me. And if you do, you'll understand that God is able, God has chosen not to count your sins against you. That those have been removed as a barrier between you and your heavenly father. So like me, this Christmas, you, you might be feeling it um, or maybe you're not feeling it this Christmas and that's okay because that's not really what matters most. The good news of great joy is that you matter a great deal to your heavenly father. And whether you feel it or not, whether you feel it this Christmas or not, that's a reality that maybe, possibly, you might feel again someday. And now, here's how it all began. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, God sent an angel, the angel Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was, anybody? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it interesting, almost anywhere in the world today, you could have that little fill in the blank test and most people in languages you've never even heard of in places most of us will never visit, know the name of Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. In other words, greetings you who are an object of God's grace. That's what the Greek means. To which she could have said, wait, why me? And the angel might've said, well, it's not really about you. God just chose you. This is what grace is. You just, you don't earn it. It's just, he chose you. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words, of course, and wondered what kind of greeting is this? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus and he will be great. And once again, 2000 years ago to a peasant girl in the armpit of the Roman empire, you're gonna have a son and he will be great. In other words, that's, that's sort of fancy language for saying he's gonna be famous. He's gonna be well-known. And again, nobody who walked in here today who was listening wondered, hey, Jesus, I, I've never heard the name of Jesus. Of course you have. Because what the angel said to Mary came about. Not only will he be great, he will be called the son of the most high and his kingdom will never end. That your son is a king and he's gonna have a kingdom on earth that reflects a kingdom in heaven because he's the son of the most high. And of course, Mary can't help herself. <laughs> She's like, how? 
How, she asked. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. And Mary responds in the only way she could. I, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. In other words, I, I don't understand this, but I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And then a few months later, you know this part of the story. In those days, Caesar Augustus, the first Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. They wanna know, are we getting our tax dollars? Are we as large as we think? Or do we have the potential we think we do? That a census should be taken of the entire Roman world and everyone went to their own town, hometown, to register for the census. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. And why all this detail? Because Luke tells us, who brought us this story, he tells us at the beginning of his gospel, I interviewed everybody I could interview. I have thoroughly investigated this entire story. And I wanna give you so much detail that you don't think this is a once upon a time fairy tale, but this was in history. So he, he gives us the pinpoint of where this happened geographically and when this happened in history. So he went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And we're not told how that conversation went when Joseph said to Mary, we have to travel, honey, and I need you to come with me. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn. And sure enough, it was a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and she placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And we read this and it's romantic and the stars are shining and everything is clean and everything smells good and everybody looks good, you know? But this is such an extraordinary detail. First of all, God announces through an angel to a woman what he's about to do for the world. In the first century, no one would have made that up because of the status of women. The implication being that that is about to change with this brand new king. And then secondarily, now we're gonna to announce to shepherds. Shepherds were on the outskirts. They were on the, the periphery of the religious system. They raised the sheep that were sacrificed at the temple, but because of what they did, they were always too unclean to actually participate in temple worship. So they were outsiders looking in. And then when God decides to announce to the outside world what he's about to do, he goes to the outer rim to that group of people that looked in from the outside to say, hey, you're included. I want you to be the first to know what God is about to do in the world, for the world. And yes, to you shepherds and you families of shepherds, you're included, you're invited. I wanted you to be some among the first to know. They were keeping watch over their flocks at night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were exposed to the glory of God and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And I love this next line. And how I wish this next line was essentially the marching orders of the church. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news 
that will be the cause of great joy for all people. If Christianity doesn't strike you as good news, if Christianity and the message of the church doesn't elicit joy in you, maybe, just maybe, the version you were taught, the version you were raised on, wasn't the Christmas version, wasn't the original version. You know, there's a difference between the thrills of life and joy. The thrills of life, of course, are circumstantial, relational, in the moment, but joy is a constant. Joy is something you can experience no matter how young you are or no matter how old you are because joy is anchored to a reality that does not change. And the angel said, this good news isn't just thrilling. This new good news, when understood and when accepted, has the potential to elicit in you joy, a constant sense of everything is okay because I am connected to my Father in heaven. Good news of great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, here's the good news. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, God's anointed one, a king, God's final king. And this will be a sign to you, shepherds. If you go into Bethlehem, you will find a baby Lots of babies in Bethlehem, but this particular baby will be wrapped in cloths. And you can relate to this, shepherds. This particular baby will be lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, in your life, and in my life, and in your life, and in your life, and on earth, peace, to those, here it is, just like the angel said to Mary, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Not because of what we've done, but because he loves you. Because for God so loved the world, he moved in our direction and will continue to. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this reminder. Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate together. Thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you for the gifts of Christmas, but thank you for the gift of Christmas. And Father, for those of us who are feeling it, we are so grateful for an opportunity to celebrate it. Father, for those here today or those watching or those listening, and once upon a time, this, there was such reality to this, but the relevance has slowly slipped away. Would you please in your grace and your mercy perhaps bring back just a bit of that as an invitation to maybe reconnect in this season in a meaningful way to the God who loves them so much. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen.